Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Making Waves. So today's episode is about API food and the cultural impacts of food. And today we're joined by a super special guest, David. <laughs> Hi, David. Hello. Yeah. So we're really excited to have you on here today to share your perspective. So would you like to just start with telling us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are? Okay. Uh, I'm David Ryusaki. Oh, I use he, him pronouns. I am a proud graduate of Oregon State, <laughs> 2004, uh, in nutrition and food management, actually. So oh. I'm, I'm actually using my degree now, which is <laughs> great. <laughs> um, I, uh, I think what has gotten me to where I am now is just really being able to understand. Uh, well, I'm from Hawaii, and so mm-hmm. I was able to work in a lot of kitchens with a lot of different cuisines and not necessarily just one cuisine with a lot of uh, diverse cooks and chefs and everything like that. So I got I got experience from that. Also, I was a, a server in a restaurant mm-hmm. at different restaurants, and so you get to know cuisine that way. And then I'm also just a foodie in general, and so I like to just go out. I'm more... My friends would call me more high-end because they don't want to spend money on food. Like, I would rather spend 100 bucks on a good meal than buy clothes for me. And my fiance <laughs> can definitely vouch for that. Um, but yeah, so basically that's a lot of how I develop my perspective. And really, uh, this is a subject that I'm really passionate about just because we talk about social justice, right? But we never talk about social justice of food. And so I think I'm curious to hear what you all think about how you're represented on campus or how API food is represented on campus. And I want to just put a disclaimer out there that I only know a certain part of, because Asian Pacific Islander is such a broad, I don't know anything other than stuff that I grew up eating in Hawaii. So I don't know any of the Tonga, the Samoa or New Zealand cuisine, any of that. So I can't speak to that. I can only speak to my experience in that. Uh, my current role on campus is I am the program coordinator for the Global Community Kitchen. And so we we support a lot of uh, API student organizations and allow them to come in and cook this food so that they can feel like they're represented on campus through a commercial kitchen. And they do all the planning of the menu, production, meaning chopping all the ingredients, cooking it, and then also serving it and cleaning up after. So it's a pretty cool program. I'm sure you all have heard about it. So. <laughs> Thank you for sharing, David. I'm glad to see that you're actually using your degree. (laughs) That gives us all a lot of hope, (laughs) honestly. And um, before we jump in to um, the cultural impact of like how we feel we're represented on campus with food, I just wanted to ask everybody, like, do y'all have a favorite food from your culture? If you want to like share what it tastes like or what's in it or what it means to you. And we can always cut if we need time to think. (laughs) Am I, I going feel first? Like, oh, oh, sorry. Don't already know. Sorry, I was thinking about like food in my culture, and then like my favorite food growing up was like low key the Costco pastaker. Because <laughs> like, my mom's like a, you know, she like she works, so she can't like make like, you know, Vietnamese food can take like all day to make, you know, and then like mm-hmm. that's why all the grandmas are like sweating in the kitchen, you know yeah. what I mean, with their twelve kids working, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then. But like, uh, but I was just like, yeah, that was my favorite food growing up was Loki, those Costco pot stickers. <laughs> but I need more time to think on like a mm. real answer, quote unquote. <laughs> I guess for me, I think it would be like, um, I guess in terms of Filipino food, it would be um, Dinok Dakan. I think we talked about it in a previous episode, but it's like, um, 
like chopped up pork. We we, they, we use like uh, different parts of the pig too, so like pig ear and mm. um, pork, pork belly and stuff like that. And again, there's like sometimes like more traditionally we throw in like pork pork brain in there and mix it up also for flavor. Mm, <laughs> yeah. If you adventurous like that. <laughs> For me, I think it's any Vietnamese noodle soup because I just know like how long it takes my mom to prepare oh, yeah. it. It could take like literally overnight, and she'd be like, "Don't touch the pot! Like it's cooking <laughs> overnight. Don't mess with it." Or she like stay up really late to make sure that it can go in the fridge like the day after, like once it's like, yeah, you know, once it's like cooled down. But I think I really like mi wang. It's like a Vietnamese mm. um, turmeric noodle soup. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but it's just so good, and I just really like. Um, yeah, I just really like the broth and like there's usually like those I forgot the, what they're called, but they're little like like kind of like rice crackers that like go on them as well. They're really good. Yeah. I was just thinking about like what you said about like the like Vietnamese we have like it's kind of similar to what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It has like the caramelized pork with the egg. Do you know what I'm talking about, Diana? Oh yeah. Is it like took call or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's my favorite thing. My grandma always sends me home with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um I think for me there's a lot, so I've been trying to think of which ones. Um, but we have this kind of stew. Stew? I don't know how exactly you would pronounce it. I mean, not pronounce it, translate it. Um, it's called chorba de burta, and it's basically like stew or soup of stomach. Um, so it's like tripe. Um, and I know that there's a lot of other cultures that have this. Um, and it's more of like a sour soup. And I like mixing it with vinegar and um, like pickled jalapeno juice um Mm -hmm. it's really good Mm -hmm. and it has like this yellow color i don't know what the yellow color comes from i need to ask my mom (laughs) Um, but it's really good and it's chewy but it takes a long time kind of like how pho takes a long time to make Mm -hmm. um this also takes a long time to make because you have to boil the the tripe for a long time and then if you want to make the broth by yourself Mm -hmm. um there's also something else called rachituri which is um basically you boil bones and you boil meat together, and then you take the meat out, and then you continue boiling the bones. This also takes a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. And then the meat, you shred it into pieces, and then that juice from the bones and the meat cooking together, you pour over the um, shredded meat, and then you have to let it in, sit, sit it in the fridge. You can We mix it with like different spices too, um, and then in the fridge it like solidifies, so it's like a meat jelly. Oh, made out of like the, the juice oh it's so good no mm. one likes it but it's really good <laughs> <laughs> i think for me it is definitely uh, so i'm japanese american i definitely lean in fully to the raw seafood the raw fish mm-hmm. uh, sushi is one of my favorite foods i i'll eat sushi no matter what i mean wherever there's an ocean right if there's an ocean nearby like i'll or if, if i know that the seafood can get there properly then i'll definitely eat sushi and then coming from hawaii as well uh, we have a dish or there's a dish in hawaii called poke which is just raw fish right with seasonings i also have some thoughts about that if we get to it but uh, all this other stuff up here <laughs> called poke which is not uh, or at least what we don't want it to to be represented as or at least mm-hmm. i don't want i don't like it yeah agreed <laughs> Yeah, like, kind of getting into that, like, how do we all feel like our food is represented here on campus or how that, like, ties into how our culture is represented? Or maybe just, like, in the broader, like, society, like, maybe when you go home to, like, Portland or if you go home anywhere else, like, fusion food or, like, anything out there, 
how do y'all feel? <clears throat> I think there's like, I mean, like with like Vietnamese food, there's like North Porch, but then they do have like, you know, sandwiches, like the bun mi sandwiches. Mm -hmm. And then like, um, and they have like these bowls, which I have to admit, like the food is good, but it's kind of like a weird combination of like all Asian food because they also have like poke on like on Tuesdays. Um, and then, yeah, I guess so. It's like I don't know how to like put a name on it, but mm -hmm. I think in terms of Filipino food, I have I don't think we have a Filipino restaurant here, do we? I don't think yeah, so. yeah. I was so my first experience with something sort of like that was um, I used to dorm in um, Buxton, so I was really near West, and then they have Ring of Fire there, and apparently they have like when I was there, I don't know if they still have it, but they used to like do Filipino cuisine there <laughs> yeah yeah and then I'm like oh okay and then I'm like looking at the menu it's like huh adobo really <laughs> and so I was just like I was I was just like oh okay well let's see how it is because then so it, I mean they, they usually base base it around like mostly like Asian food so they, they rotate like different different um, countries and their types of food depending on the day so I was just surprised to see Filipino there so I was like okay cool I'll try it and I was I mean I, I, I went in with like no expectations at all but even then with like those low expectations it was just like so low bad. expectations not even oh that it was way below oh, no. like they had pho like I think yeah, my I, freshman yeah. year mm -hmm. and then I I like I didn't even like try it because I knew. Yeah, they, but yeah. then like my friend tried it, they're just like it's water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty bad. Like the the way they made it, it was like eat not even the proper cuts of like pork that we usually use or whatever. And which I guess you know like health standard whatever because you can't use too much fatty parts of the cow. But still, even yet, it was like the sauce was like a mix of just like some like I think sauce that they use for like their Indian ver Indian oh day. yeah so it wasn't even proper like it wasn't even like soy base and I was like what the hell is this <laughs> so yeah I lived in Bloss and like my freshman year it was before they had like that teriyaki place oh, yeah, 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 I don't yeah, remember yeah. what it's called anymore mm -hmm. but like I don't like I remember I think like this part was like differently like contracted differently than like UHDS so they didn't have student workers so there's this cute Indonesian lady who made sushi the sushi wasn't that great but her smile was so cute and I like got sushi like every day because like she was just like because she like when you bought it she looked so happy because she's like oh, I like what I'm cooking and I'm just like so that's yeah that's <laughs> that's David <laughs> no I think I'll just ask you all, how did it make you feel knowing that you're Filipino, right? And mm -hmm. you're going, and this is something that is supposed to be your home away from home when you're in college, right? Mm -hmm. So how did it make you feel for that food to quote unquote represent Filipino culture? Like how, like what was the actual feeling, especially and of the flaw as well? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was just kind of hard because I'm like, oh, I can't enjoy the same foods as I did back at home and everything too. And so I guess in a good way, that kind of got me motivated to start cooking also. So that's why like now I do enjoy cooking and I love to do it. Like I'm able to like be in, be satisfied with like the flavor I make. Cause like, oh, okay, at least it's just like back at home and everything too. And, and it would be nice to have more, yeah, like more Filipino um, like food and representation on campus too, especially if like, like, if 
that's the type of food like at Ring of Fire that all like all the other university students like oh their impression of Filipino food I'm like no bro no (laughs) not even close and I know we we do have like our um like uh like what is it called like the culture nights yeah culture nights where like at least we do have a night to display like uh, to the best of our ability to like show that like our cultural food and everything too and like all the students that are in the club that work f- like work and to to really display and so that, that I think that's like a great way but like like I think to yeah it even brought it more in within the community as well would be great too this is like a weird question but like do you think it's better for UHDS to just not try at all and not represent <laughs> anybody <laughs> they can't do it well oh, or question. do you prefer them to like do like a weird sort of Attempt. effort mm-hmm. <laughs> effort I don't know like how do you I think for me like we have a university that has over 300 400 clubs student organizations right mm-hmm. and I think if if we all are doing our duty as student affairs, which UHDS and where I work in student experience and engagement, we all fall under student affairs, which is outside of the classroom experience. I just think that with such a huge resource of opportunity to connect with students and have the students more vested into actually buying into it, you know what I mean? Do, mm-hmm. do you feel like if they came to say it's some Bansang Filipino and said, hey, we, ha- we want to do Filipino food. Like, what are some tricks that your mom or your grandma uses? Mm-hmm. Like, do you think that would help your morale of like how this food is? They may not get it correct, but I guess if, if they did that, would, would your morale be better or, or would your mentality be better about seeing that kind of food? At least if they made that effort to involve the student organization or even students from that culture, how would, how would it make you feel? Oh yeah, I think definitely, at least in a way, at least that's just getting it to be more authentic and for like the rest of the student like population to like really understand and like, yeah, I get to like know the taste of what Filipino food is a, a much better. And I think, I, I think yeah that if we had like a collaboration like that would be great already too yeah. Mm-hmm. So. What about Vietnamese food? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I just feel like like you know VSA is such like a huge like presence on campus mm-hmm. that like it shouldn't be too hard to find like mm-hmm. someone who yeah. like I, I I'm I can't cook it like I just <laughs> really want to like yeah make that clear. I don't want anyone contacting me like would you know I'm like you're asking the wrong Vietnamese <laughs> person <laughs> for any cooking tips yeah. but um. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's like, you know, like, like, um, the Vietnamese population is huge in Portland. It shouldn't be that hard to find someone who'd be able to make it like at least better, mm-hmm. but that's just my opinion. I think I will say I understand where UHDS is coming from just because of mass production. You can't really, mm-hmm. and which is what I advise a lot of my student organizations is that it's not going to be like you made it at home, right? Because we're doing it in bulk. But I think it's a disservice to especially the students of these different ethnic backgrounds to not to just blatantly just because we're a predominantly white institution doesn't mean that you can't make the effort to I think that's just just my opinion mm-hmm. of so I mean I do production right I do recipes that these groups bring in for feeds four people and I have to scale it up to 400. Hawaii Club Luau is 1,400, which is my largest event. And then Indian Night is also 1,200. And so 
like I understand what they have to to manage in the the food service aspect side, but I think just from the optics of it, it just doesn't look good, right? Because mm-hmm. if you all, if only this small little group of students is telling me this, like what are the what is the the majority of uh, the APS students on campus that don't feel like they they belong because of the the food and um, I don't I don't necessarily know what the answer is, but I think. Uh, as you as you said, it probably would be better if they actually consulted with students, right, from the from these identities. Mm-hmm. So I think. Yeah, yeah that kind of reminds me of like, kind of like the capitalization <laughs> on like our food. Like, how do y'all feel about that? If like, with like all the fusion food that like pops up, or like some Asian foods mm-hmm. just become like really trendy, and then you find out that they're not made very authentically or by the people who actually identify with that culture. Like an example here on campus um, was, I forgot, there was like a bubble tea store who was like by the same owner of like Benny's Donuts. And I'd found out that they had gone to Vietnam, which is not even where bubble tea like originated. <laughs> and, th- and then they were like, yeah, so that's where they learned how to make bubble tea, I suppose. And then they brought the business idea back here on campus. I think the shop is currently closed, but that's something that it kind of reminded me of. If y'all have any other like similar stories or thoughts. Um, so like this was kind of a funny story so my grandma found out that Pock Pock was actually made by a white dude (laughs) and then but like the food's actually like really good and she was like thank god we don't want to work anymore (laughs) (laughs) so like I don't I don't really yeah I don't know because I don't know where to draw the line of like you can't make this or you you know I mean or this is not yeah this is not authentic anymore because of like because of like who's making it I guess yeah yeah I think I don't like using the word authentic I mean I I use it lightly right because uh, I just think if we if we take a step back and look at the bigger picture I was doing some research because of some programmatic ideas that I had but I was researching this concept of um, cultural appropriation of food right and Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of uh, social justice activists on on Twitter and all that that have blogs about it's not so much about necessarily like these these white chefs are producing all of this Asian food it's more of what access do they have opposed to like a mom and pop store right so mm-hmm. like they're obviously the bank is looks at them and they're gonna say okay I can give you a loan for two hundred thousand dollars is that gonna be the same for like you know grandma and grandpa that wants to open a restaurant but they can't because they don't have the access in this society mm-hmm. right? and so i think that's the bigger issue is this appropriation is not i mean there are some problems with it as well like i mean with the pop pop guy i think he did go to thailand for what to, i don't know i don't know how long he went there but at least he actually went to the country that he was going to produce the food from and started to know all of the the nuances right and so mm-hmm. i think uh, going back to some of the discussion earlier about pho, it's like if you're not if it tastes like water, that means you definitely don't know the whole concept of what pho is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Like it's literally a lot of my Vietnamese friends and their their moms literally wake up at like 2 in the morning to start the broth and it goes all the way until dinner time. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you're not getting that concept like this is a misrepresentation of this culture is mm-hmm. what I feel, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. There's a lot of nuance in in Asian cooking in general, and I think uh, this commodification of Asian API 
culture like because i order from a food vendor and you can order all that stuff like those pot stickers that are in costco i can probably order them the same thing but it's it's are we getting the product that we really want right it's like this is the whole capitalist thing right it's like we're mass producing this stuff so we can make a money we can make money off of this culture that means something else to them right mm-hmm. this is like when they're when they're surrounded and they're they're with family it means different than someone trying to make money off of these stickers or like you can order sauces already made like teriyaki sauce which is not even it's, i mean i don't get this whole thing about everything is just soy sauce and it's like if you don't understand just the the little concept of each cuisine has a different nuance to yes we all have mostly soy sauce based stuff but it's very different across the board and you can't you can't just lump it all together if you're trying to represent something right and i think uh, also it's a disservice to kind of like north porch right it's like it's a disservice to want to do everything because you where you see that bond me thing right they you see the bond me thing but then it's not necessarily Vietnamese sides for that stuff. It's a lot of like, there's some Japanese in there and there's some other stuff. And so it's really, what concept are you trying to to produce? And then why don't you make the effort to like really go for it? And so I mean, even like Ring of Fire, I, I when I was on campus, I worked at Ring of Fire and I was like, yeah, uh, the cooks when I when I worked there were Cambodian and when they had Cambodian stew it was legit like it was one of the best things I've ever had but it's very limited they're Cambodian they're Cambodian and Southeast Asian right and so you can't expect them to make the mainstream Chinese mm-hmm. stuff you can't make expect them to make fried rice or you know chow mein because that's not their thing but because you're representing all of Asia is what you call ring of fire right I mm-hmm. imagine that's why they named it but uh, I I think that that concept in general is very problematic of mm-hmm. trying to represent everything because that's where people get into trouble of like trying to be specific like what do you want to showcase and then perfect that and then you can move on to another identity right mm-hmm. but if you try to do all the all the the students who identify that way are going to just feel like what is this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what other options did they have when you were <laughs> when you were going to school here i mean to be honest you all have it better than we did on campus. <laughs> uh, there literally was just Ring of Fire. We have to go off campus. And so I don't know if any of you remember Young's Kitchen. That was off campus. It was right on mm-hmm. Monroe. Uh, that was the only Korean place. There was no coriander when I was on campus. It was literally, there's just like three or four places that we could go to for anything other than what was on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, right, we get into this Panda Express. Like they literally, like they're Chinese owned, but yet they Americanize it so that they could, they could make make it like a system systematic making money for them. Which is, I don't blame anyone for the American dream, but at the same time, it's like if you go to a Chinese restaurant, it's a very different experience mm-hmm. than Panda Express because mm-hmm. <laughs> like orange chicken is not. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, it was actually created. I read one of the things that Panda Express. It was created for the Hawaii restaurant mm-hmm. because of the, mm-hmm. I guess, uh, Hawaii food is very carb, carbo heavy, carb heavy, very a lot of sugar in it. So it's basically like a ton of fat and a ton of sugar. And um, unfortunately, like when you grow up there, like it, it just like every plate lunch has two scoops of rice. Um, 
macaroni salad, which consists of macaroni, mayonnaise, and <laughs> like garlic, salt, and pepper. So again, you add the sodium to all the, the fat. And so, and then you add on to that a protein, which most likely is either marinated in soy sauce, sugar, and sesame oil, or whatever it is, or deep fried, or, you know, and so I think it, um, it doesn't, it doesn't help the, sorry, I lost my train of thought. That's okay. <laughs> That's going to be an edit. Um, what was the, what were we, what was the, the original <laughs> topic? It was just on, like, how, compared to, uh, oh, how it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, there was, I think Aomatsu existed, I think, mm. but I mean, as far as on campus, like, there was really, Pangea was pretty much the whole, all we had, there was no North Porch, that whole side of the, the MU was the book, it was part of the bookstore, I think, mm. at that time, mm-hmm. that whole that whole wing was the bookstore like oh. where my kitchen is now is where my textbooks were in college oh really yeah. <laughs> so i mean it's definitely it's definitely grown to have more options but i think at the same time it's like i don't know if the the right people were involved or like mm-hmm. again going back to the student organizations right it's like we have a, a resource of available that you can we're not saying you need to do what these students say but i think if you're not if you're just trying to do it online, if you're trying to Google it, or if you, if you've met a, you met a chef that knew how to do it once in a great while, and you learn one one time, you don't know, like, if you're not doing it constantly, and you have to produce food for the rest of the university, like it's, I, don't know, I think I may be biased because I'm Japanese American, but mm-hmm. like if you don't have the nuances down, like you pretty much have to, I think you have to grow up with with API in general and those foods, right? To really understand how to produce them because when you eat some of the stuff, you're gonna be like, this is not what I'm used to because mm-hmm. your parents have either started it during the day or they spent a lot of time to, to really make sure that it was cooked, like mm-hmm. passed on through the generations, right? So. Mm-hmm. Would, it, would you say then that it would be better if like, let's say these restaurants or like, like like people that make these food to like not try at all in general and i'm not saying i'm not saying don't try it at Mm -hmm. all i'm i think being mindful of how you're i guess what your if if your business model is only auxiliary which means you you only sell food for profit right if you don't get any student fees for profit or, or to to supplement your budget then i think it's a I just think in my opinion it's a disservice to mm-hmm. not consult mm-hmm. with with those either chefs I mean there's Portland is right up the road you can literally ask the question or if there's a university that maybe has some of these chefs that identify as Filipino American or Filipino or Vietnamese or Vietnamese American Japanese Japanese American but if you if you look at the optics of it if if the students if you all go into these places of business and all you see are predominantly white chefs what are you gonna think right? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so that's i think the main the root of the issue is that it's it's just the optics of it and not doing the research because obvi- you can tell the research hasn't been done because mm-hmm. when you eat the food it's not mm-hmm. how you've had it right mm-hmm. and we're not saying that any anybody is an expert just because you're from that culture but i think 
in in my world because I do food service for a living like it's it's very problematic mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I'm never gonna tell anyone not to try and sell something but I think if you don't put more effort into it there's a reason why there's a reputation uh, mm -hmm. and it's gonna be continued the reputation will be continued unless something changes right mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know I I've worked under chefs that didn't really didn't really listen to a lot of the the advice that was given or, or whatnot you know I'm not saying I don't I don't know anything about how UHDS is run but mm -hmm. I'm just there's a if there's one industry that has that that mentality of like i i know what i'm doing it's definitely i work for chefs that are like mm -hmm. it's my way or the highway and so again that could also be a a huge setback to why some of the stuff and so again i'm i just want to make sure that mm -hmm. uh my colleagues at UHCS don't think i'm calling them <laughs> out like this is not me calling anybody out it's really just how can you how can you involve the student the student body a little bit better i'm not saying don't do anything mm -hmm. but i'm saying if you keep putting out the same stuff there's like there's going to be a reputation and i mean from what i heard today there's already a reputation of like we don't even think that like don't filipino food that's not filipino food right mm -hmm. and, and so you're feeding all these freshmen who are coming that maybe don't know that type of food and mm -hmm. they're thinking that's what it is and so mm -hmm that's the the real part of the issue for me is that when when you're representing something that maybe is not done even close to being correctly mm -hmm. then all these uh, so i mean if if someone has grown up in a not so diverse culture right mm -hmm. and they eat this for the first time like yeah. if they eat that pho they think oh that's pho if it's not mm -hmm. good because it's only water guess what when they go to portland there's all these f amazing pho restaurants but they're not going to even try it mm -hmm. because because they have that one experience mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. i'm actually vacation. getting very heated because yeah. i i agree with you so much <laughs> yeah i think at least in terms of because when you mentioned poke i love poke so much especially because like yeah coming back from home and just trying it here is just so 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 bad like um just because i think with poke it's like literally how, how we had it back mm -hmm. home is just rice and what makes it so signature is just like what the what the fish is marinated in and that's just really all you need and then when you have like food here where throw in corn and salad soybeans like what yeah exactly sorry sorry it's just it's an thing but <laughs> but like i guess in terms of like and then i just it's just unfortunate like how you mentioned like because for some of these people who had never been to hawaii or really tried authentic poke and and them mm -hmm. eating it here for the first time this is their first experience and for them to like like you know not really like know or like really try the like the true dish it's just yeah it's just it's just unfortunate yeah. i guess in terms of like uh, I, I wouldn't, I don't know, it's, I guess it is really hard, it, I don't know how, how different the fish is, because mm -hmm. obviously fish, it's specific from like how it is we get, mm -hmm. like how we harvest it from, from here in the coast to compared to in the Pacific Ocean, but like, I guess even in terms of like, still wanting to try to share the dish, like, mm -hmm. like, like, I, I totally agree with you, if you really want to like, really try, like, 
especially if you have like a store just genuinely about poke because i know there's play places popping up mm-hmm. like to really do your like try to be as authentic as possible they hella like mince the meat too which is weird like small cuts it's like very thin and all these extra things too mm-hmm. i don't know like i guess what in in in, in that case like like in terms of cultural appropriation because i guess me i when i'm I, when i'm thinking about like this dish at least with poke um i guess conforming the dish to like more of like the the community more mm-hmm. like let's let's if someone wanted more like of those vegetables or like to yeah. complement it then i guess where, where would that line be of like cultural appropriation or changing the dish for like i guess the environment or i think i think for me i agree uh i think there's a there's a concept that a lot of people see like the spicy ahi right mm-hmm. so in hawaii a lot of the spicy ahi is done with all of the parts that don't look really good and so poke is 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 really like about half an inch by half an inch cubes and so it's supposed to be uh, equal amount of fish you're supposed to be able to taste the the quality of the fish but also still have like the sesame oil and the soy sauce and the the green onions and the the Ma- we have sweet onions kind of like the washington onions but they're called maui onions because they're grown on maui and so like those components really it's it's to highlight the fish but just create a a separate uh flavor profile right but i think everybody thinks that the spicy ahi is like what poke is supposed to be that's literally like all the stuff that you're trying to hide and so they put the either mayonnaise or japanese mayonnaise and sriracha or like a kimchi base like as the spicy ahi so that it looks like poke but it's not necessarily the best quality fish right Mm -hmm. and so uh, but going back to your question on forming it to the community i think i think you have to definitely mold some of your stuff to the community but my issue is that if if folks actually go to hawaii and have poke you're never gonna see poke that is mixed right off right off the bat like it literally the the reason why poke is so good is because all of those flavors marinate in there for like 30 minutes to 45 minutes to an hour and sometimes it sits on there sits in a in a cold box for like an hour if people don't buy it right um so this concept of these poke bowl places that there was a huge craze i think two or three years ago and i was like what is this they don't i haven't seen them actually use sea salt to actually salt the fish to begin with so i mean again fundamentals of poke mm-hmm. is literally hawaiian salt which is hawaiian sea salt and you're supposed to season the fish before anything goes on it and to get me to buy into a concept where you're supposed to have a bowl of rice and then literally fish that's not seasoned and then you're going to add a sauce after it like that's that's not the concept of of at least what what the true beauty of poke is at least in in my mind like how do we take it from something that is mixed sits for 30 minutes and then you literally say we're gonna we're gonna take all the components and separate them and then put them together to your liking Mm -hmm. when sometimes the combinations are just like corn like where have you ever seen <laughs> corn in po- and mm-hmm. and if you you think about like a soy sauce base right soy sauce sesame oil and sometimes they put sugar or, or whatever or oyster sauce can you imagine oyster sauce soy sauce and sesame oil on fish with corn and peas and soybeans like <laughs> i mean just yeah. conceptually right mm-hmm. it's I, I mean some some may argue that this is oregon this is like far up the table blah blah, blah you know mm-hmm. but for me it's like 
this is literally something that is has been commodified right mm -hmm. somebody thought it was cool and they started to bring it and they, they're trying to to put a twist on it and call it fusion which mm -hmm. i really don't buy that mm -hmm. it's, it, yeah. it's fusion like i don't there are some some of my friends or family from hawaii that i don't know i think some of them agree with like the just because they're in business right they have to mm -hmm. make money but at the same time it's like does this really is this really something that you want <laughs> yeah want want to be um so yeah i think that is i could go all day about <laughs> yeah, i mean there's a what did you feel about the aloha poke guy uh yeah, oh yeah <laughs> yeah oh that i remember that one yeah it's the fact that he tried to brand the actual I'm like he tried to trademark yeah. aloha and poke yeah whenever there was aloha and poke whenever oh. poke followed aloha he oh tried God. to trademark it. Yeah, and so there was, mm -hmm. there was a nationwide protest of all the, the Hawaii natives and also oh, the goodness. native Hawaiians. So mm -hmm. when we talk about Hawaii natives, right, it's <coughs> maybe not Hawaii natives. Like, I guess local Hawaii people are are those who are not of Hawaiian descent, but they grew up in Hawaii, kind of like mm -hmm. kind of like us. And there's native Hawaiian, which is an actual, like, their mm -hmm. actual blood type. And so um, there's a lot of protests from everyone, kind of like with the, the whole Monica thing, but mm -hmm. we won't get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but this Aloha Poke thing was like, he, he hadn't even gone to Hawaii. It was, at least from what I remember, I, I think it was he literally had it in California. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then he, did, I guess he had access to a lot of money or like he had access to loans and he literally created this Aloha Poke company and then he had it trademarked and then sent letters to all the he literally, I don't know, Benz, he went to the businesses, he, he found out all the businesses that had Aloha and Poke, Poke following Aloha, and he sent out letters of cease and desist. Mm -hmm. You cannot use this name. And so again, there is like, I think uh, the age of social media has really changed how, because when we were in school, that would have never happened. Like, mm -hmm. so smartphones weren't even existed until like 2007, right? And so I graduated in 04. So we still had the the nokias the whatever the the square ones and mm -hmm. then i had a motorola and i had a the razor and all that stuff but um i think with facebook and twitter and all that stuff like all of the stuff is easily able to spread a lot mm -hmm. faster mm -hmm. and so i think that's why there's change that can happen with with some of this stuff right? mm -hmm. yeah and like with the spread and like the cool factor of like foods becoming like trendy sometimes do you guys ever like start to feel like strangely possessive of food like for me <laughs> this is kind of a really silly example but like i grew up eating like a bunch of like asian snacks like but like not even super asian per se but like let's just say like pocky and then like it got super popular eventually somewhere along the line and i felt this like strange like possessiveness over it where i'm just like no that's mine like nobody else can be eating that right now have you guys ever had something similar <laughs> I, in elementary school, I thought it was so cool because I had, like, a monopoly on Asian snacks. And being, like, the only, like, Asian kid in class, I'm like, y'all are going to be my friends because I'm the only one who knows where to get pockets. So, like, <laughs> exactly. It's like, I have the cool snacks. <laughs> I was like, you guys have never seen anything like this before. Yeah. <laughs> Andrea, any experiences? Um, Romanian snacks aren't very mm. <laughs> I see. widely known. I see. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, like Pocky. There's snacks in Romania that are literally just wafers and like a chocolate sauce or like a strawberry mm -hmm. sauce or whatever on them. So 
whenever people like went crazy about certain snacks i was just like mm. Been there, <laughs> my country that. has those too <laughs> i knew at one point like wafers then the neapolitan wafers or whatever and they had like the cream in between them people mm-hmm. were like super crazy about those at one point and i was like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, i'm pretty sure that came somewhere from europe because europe is filled with them so that's not something like crazy <laughs> so i mean i think it's more of like people are just i don't know if it's people are appreciating it or people are like oh like this like all of a sudden everyone likes it so i'm gonna i'm gonna say that i like it too Um, Mm -hmm. I'd like to think of it more as an appreciation. Um, So, like, when I saw, like, boba got really popular Mm -hmm. and there were lots of people that were like, you can't have boba, but there were, like, other Asian people, too, that were, like... Boba is mine. Like it can't be yours. I'm like, <laughs> unless you're Taiwanese, I'm pretty sure it's not yours. So I think there's like a line that I see that people should draw between like when you get like way too possessive about it, and when it's like no, like these people are just liking it, mm-hmm. and I think you should let them like it because it also spreads more awareness of this culture or this food or whatever. And people mm-hmm. might then like decide to let me find out more about Taiwanese people. Let me find out more about. What country Pocky came from, the things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of Romanian snacks, yeah, there's there's nothing I know that people are, like, crazy about. I see. I don't know if there was... I think because, again, with Hawaii being, like, there's... Um, you have all, like, like the minority is the majority back there. We, we kind of knew what each other's snacks and foods were, so it wasn't kind of hard to, like... I'm ready to know or share because everybody had it, but mm-hmm. um, I think what was the question again? <laughs> it was oh, like, is there any like snack that you felt uh, specific? Yeah. Um, like I remember in middle school, this girl was like, "Don't hate me, but I hate soy sauce," and I'm like, "I don't know what. How do you want me to respond to that?" I was like, "Um, mm. yeah. it's like do you, I, you know, I was like, I." don't think I yeah. hate anyone because I don't like a certain food. Like, I don't know yeah. what to tell you. I'm like, is it... I'm like, are you worried about it having gluten in it? Like... <laughs> Let it be acknowledged that Oregon State University in Corvallis, Oregon is located within the traditional homelands of the Mary's River or Ampinefu band of Kalapuya. Following the Willamette Valley Treaty of 1855, Kalapuya people were forcibly removed to reservations in Western Oregon. Today, living descendants of these people are a part of the Confederate tribes of Grand Ronde Community of Oregon and the Confederate tribes of the Sluts Indians. The host of this podcast includes paid student employees from the Asian and Pacific Cultural Center. However, all views expressed in this podcast are not solely are solely of those of the speaker and do not necessarily represent the opinions of the Asian and Pacific Cultural Center or Oregon State University. This podcast was not subject to prior review or approval of professional staff.